Welcome to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. I'm your host, Marty Elliott, and along today uh, from the Zamboni Company is my uh, colleague, Doug Peters from California. We also have Nigel Gamester, the Vendor Administration Manager for RMA Trade out of Edmonton, Alberta. Chris Fish, our Account Manager for our distributor out of Alberta, Industrial Machines Incorporated. And one of his customers, Jason Graves, Procurement System Specialist for the City of Grand Prairie. And Sourcewell, we have Kelly. Uh, Kelly Pearson, she is the Supplier Development Administrator for Sourcewell, which is a cooperative purchasing program. So I'm going to pass it over to Doug. Uh, Doug's been around the uh, Sourcewell uh, community for a lot longer than I have, and um, he's had a, a relationship with Sourcewell. How long, Doug? Marty, we are on our second contract, and I'm thinking we are two years into that. Kelly maybe can answer that better than I can, um, but it's been been a great uh, selling tool for us down here in the States, and I'm right. very excited uh, to see it uh, catch fire up in uh, Canada as well, and you'll be talking about that a little bit uh, later in the, the conversation. But Kelly, I'm wondering if uh, you could tell us how um, Sourcewell came to be and uh, give us a brief uh, overview of how Sourcewell works for uh, municipal customers. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me for the introduction. And like Doug said, um, Zamboni's on their second term with us, so we're actually hitting almost eight years of having a contract um, with Sourcewell. So a little bit of background about Sourcewell. Um, we are technically a government agency based in the state of Minnesota. Um, years and years ago in the late 70s, you know, we were operating as a service cooperative um, for a five county region in the state of Minnesota. Um, back then it was um, loaning out film for schools to be able to watch different videos, different projectors, kind of an interesting history that goes with it. Um, but our organization was looking at, you know, what else can we do to serve? What else can we do to help the community around us? Um, so one of the directives that we were allowed to do was cooperative purchasing. Um, so from the late 70s, I would say into the early to mid 1990s, they really worked on this cooperative purchasing program. Um, and a lot of the other co-ops that had the same ability, they just kind of did it for their local five counties. Um, we had an individual who had the idea, hey, let's take this on a national level, a national basis, see what we can do, see how it can grow. Um, and it really took off from there. Uh, so I've been with Sourcewell for six years now. And when I started, maybe I was employee number 50. And over the past six years, we've just seen tremendous growth, use, acceptance of cooperative contracts, cooperative purchasing. Um, so now I believe we have over 200 employees just looking to serve that mission of um, helping, you know, government, public agencies make efficient purchases. So really that's why we're here is to serve public agencies. I'll refer to them as our members, you know, it'd be Zamboni's customers, um, but we're just trying to make their life easier through public purchasing, public cooperative purchasing. Um, a little bit about how that process works. So Sourcewell will release an RFP or request for proposal um, on a national basis. We will you know, outline in the title the different products, services that we're looking for. Um, Zamboni currently holds a contract in our playground and recreation um, category. So what they did is they responded to our solicitation along with other companies that we released. 
Um, they, and, you know, Doug can probably speak to the hours and hours that go into this process to respond to solicitation. Um, but we release the RFP, companies are allowed to respond to it. They go through a competitive solicitation process where our procurement team in-house, they do the evaluations, they go through the scoring process, and they make award recommendations. So once those contracts are in place, they're in place on a four-year basis. Um, and we encourage our vendors that hold contracts with us to bring in their full depth and breadth of solutions as it relates to the RFP. So when we release these, it's not on an individual um, spec basis or we're looking at just one project for one member. We're looking at how can we best serve SourceWell um, members throughout the U.S. to make these purchases. Um, and they're able to identify the products that they need and the services that they need through the SourceWell contract and make those purchases. Um, so we just help explain that that purchasing process has already been satisfied on their behalf. You know, those public agencies don't necessarily have to go out and do their own individual bid um, because SourceWell, as a government agency, we've already done that on their behalf. We've gone through that competitive solicitation process. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, it, one of the things like with the benefits of this that I try to explain to customers uh, and our dealers is uh, for the customer, it it saves them the time and expense of going through the bid process because it's already been done, already been satisfied for them. Uh, it was something on our end, I've always told customers as well as uh, when I've talked with our, our company uh, personnel as well as our dealers, it was the most extensive bid process I've been through and had my assistant uh, telling me, well, why do we have to spend this much time doing all of this? And I look at it and go, I'd rather do one where I spent 12 hours than do 50 of them a year where I'm spending two, three, four hours uh, per bid. And it really has been a, a godsend uh, for us. It's made things uh, extremely easy to get the customer uh, value pricing on the product that they're looking for. Um, and if maybe you could elaborate a little bit more, Kelly, on the benefits that you see and that SourceWell sees uh, for our customers and for our selling network. Yeah, I'd say the main, you know, kind of five benefits that we look at, and I'll go through each one, you know, kind of lightly here, but the biggest one is saving time and money. Um, especially with times right now, we understand public agencies are really looking at you know, their budgets, their resources that they have available, um, kind of like Doug said on his side, you know, if Zamboni is spending all this time responding to numerous bids, numerous RFPs, that's a lot of time and money that goes into that. Um, and those savings can be had for um, public agencies, source well members as well. You know, we've done that process for them. So they're able to, you know, kind of speed things up on their end because they're not having to spend their own time doing their own RFPs, doing their own evaluations. Um, like I said, we like to encourage our vendors to bring in their full depth and breadth of solutions. Um, so that way they can find all the products that they're looking for for a project. And with SourceWell in general, that's, you know, a piece we like to emphasize is that um, or availability for turnkey options, turnkey solutions. Uh, for the member, for the SourceWell supplier, we understand a large part of what you do is built on the trust and relationships that you've established. You know, so there's still that basis of value, knowing that you're able to work with your local dealer, you know, the local people that you want to support in your community that you've established these relationships with. Uh, through this RFP solicitation process, 
uh, we hear from many of our awarded vendors that, you know, typically if they're going through that traditional bid process, because of the quality of their products, a lot of times they're not going to win those low bid situations. Um, so that's a nice piece that the SourceWell members and their vendors are able to avoid is, you know, having, having to purchase the low bid equipment if it's going through that traditional bid process themselves. Because what we hear a lot of times too is, you know, say they've been directed to go with the lowest bid that comes in, maybe they have to buy that piece of equipment and instead of replacing, say it's a Zamboni in 20 years, they're gonna have to replace it in five years because it's not the quality piece of equipment that they're looking for. Um, so that's a big piece as our, our evaluation team is going through those responses. They're looking for those high quality vendors that aren't just trying to come in with the lowest dollar amount possible and a low quality product. Uh, and then that other, you know, kind of the last value piece that we emphasize as well is that national volume pricing. Um, so the pricing that Zamboni and all of the awarded vendors have on contract with SourceWell is based on SourceWell's 50,000 members throughout the U.S. Um, so whether you're a small municipality in central Minnesota or if you're in, um, you know, a large populated area, they're still receiving that same discount, you know, across the U.S. that's been um, outlined within their response. So those to us are kind of the five main values really on the vendor supplier side and the member customer side. That's great. Um, one of the things I've been listening in on a lot of podcasts and different things as our world has changed dramatically over the last few months. And one thing that keeps coming up is the impact that CV is going to have on uh, municipalities as uh, revenues get tighter uh, how much of a difference do you think this is going to uh, help to make uh, for them with the SourceFlow um, process? Um, I think this, you know, kind of speaking from experience as well, what we've seen in years past will definitely help those with reduced budgets, reduced staff. Um, we kind of like to step in and be almost like another procurement person for them. You know, if they don't have the resources available, we're just another option that they're able to utilize, able to choose. Um, throughout the U.S., we have some different state agencies that even use us as their own state contracts, um, just because of, there's just so much going on with these agencies that they're, you know, sometimes not able to complete everything themselves. Um, so they look at us thinking, okay, here's another option. This has already been, been done. We don't necessarily have to, you know, reinvent the wheel and do it ourselves. So we're going to use something that's already in place. Um, another thing, and Doug, you might be able to speak to this on your side as well, but another thing I've seen come up quite a bit lately, um, like you said, with everything going on um, with COVID, is a lot of our um, suppliers are looking at our leasing partner, National Cooperative Leasing. Um, they hold a competitive contract with us as well, um, but we're seeing, you know, there's probably uncertainties with what, what budgets might look like next year, kind of where their spend is, especially if it's an area where it's um, not necessarily, you know, essential products, but they still need these products and services, you know, for their day-to-day -day operations. Um, so that has definitely come up quite a bit about the option for tax-exempt municipal financing. Yeah, that's something that I'm pushing a lot harder now because people, you know, one of the things I've heard for the last couple months is, uh, you know, they have to wait and see what kind of impact that this CV situation is going to have on uh, revenues coming in and uh, leasing is a great way to go because it allows them to get the piece of equipment that they need to have at a much reduced capital uh, outlay upfront. So um, we're looking real forward to helping to spread the word about SourceWell uh, and how it can help 
municipalities acquire equipment uh, and get sales into Canada. I'm it was on my bucket list as I've told you and uh, the meetings I've had about uh, trying to get a sale into Canada. Well, I was not personally responsible for. I'm really happy to say that uh, we've got one. And I'm going to turn this over to uh, my colleague Marty Elliott, uh, who's going to talk more with Chris Fish, our dealer uh, with IMI up in Alberta, uh, as they've secured the first Zamboni machine under Sourcefield contract pricing uh, to go up into Canada. That's going to be happening in the near future. Marty, take it away. Thanks, Doug. Thanks. Yeah, so Chris Fish is our account manager for uh, Industrial Machines Incorporated out of Edmonton. Uh, welcome, Chris. And also we have Jason Graves, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the procurement system specialist with the city of Grand Prairie. So, Chris, help us understand uh, what uh, what took place in the whole transaction with uh, Grand Prairie and dealing with Jason. And maybe you both can t uh, chat about this uh, for a moment. Share with us. Uh, hi, Marty. Thanks for the uh, intro. The this process here, I'm actually going to let Jason speak more towards it because this would actually was a benefit to the phone call uh, we had together um, and trying to discuss uh, some of their options with the uh, purchasing of this piece of machine. Yeah, we we uh, used to buy the Zambonis through the, the, the typical tender RFP process, which takes a long time. And just the source well option cuts off easily a month of all that of that time so at the end it ends up being purchased and on the ground and serviced quicker if i can it's marty uh, jason if i can ask um the acceptance level within uh, the interior of the municipality using the uh, procurement uh, contract program um I, we talk about time. Yeah, it does save time and best uh, buying uh, uh, pricing as well. Uh, what other, uh, um, if, if I can say, assets or were were forefront in making the decision to go through this process? Um, yeah, just I, I, like we, we, we already have Zambonis, so we like them. And by able to choose what we want to buy through SourceFell, we we eliminate the risk of, of getting a, a vendor or a, a product that's not what we're looking for because they, they, they could win they could win an RFP or, or a tender because they have the best scoring, but it ultimately is not part not the same kind of equipment that we're used to, not the, not part of, part of the standard that we've set. Right, right, and and uh, th that's definitely one of the big benefits because there's a standard that is set by uh, your relationship with whatever vendor it is. In this case, Zamboni. Um, you've used other uh, vendors uh, through the source wall contract uh, through RMA Trade um, yes. as well. All right. Yes, we've purchased probably 18 to 20 pieces of equipment this year so far. Wow, Jason. Um, you talked about the benefits. Uh, let's let's name them. So benefit of you've already got a specific vendor you want to deal with. Uh, pricing uh, is an advantage. Uh, the time consumption is reduced. Um, is there any other benefits that you would want to share with some of your uh, industry colleagues within the municipal uh, uh, procurement departments? Uh, there's there's less less investment for the city. Like we we have less people to uh, to do this project. In the past, we'd have to have people writing specs and basically deciding what they wanted. And then there's evaluation criteria and it just, just the manpower savings is, is, is a big one. 
Yeah, that definitely is a, uh, is a winner, a game changer as far as uh, because I mean everything is changing. Uh, you know, Doug spoke spoke to it with uh, COVID. Um, you know, the the actual uh, monies coming in, the tax base, and the things that are happening. Municipalities are, are feeling the pinch, and of course, unfortunately, it's putting uh, um, some uh, situations uh, for employment or uh, making layoffs. But uh, having this process uh, in play will certainly make a difference for municipalities and still uh, have the manpower to uh, to do other um, uh, chores, if you will, uh, within the uh, within the municipality. So, Marty, can uh, I get matches for a second? Um, in terms, so certainly the time savings with a uh, cooperative contract is that's one of the common the common benefits that we hear from our members. The other one, and I feel is almost equally as important to the time savings, is just the focus and the really the objectives of the purchase in general. And what I mean by that is obviously price is important. But you know, what else is important is you know best overall value and what's the end use for a piece of equipment or life cycle costing. A lot of those, a lot of those considerations, um, admittedly, have the potential to get kind of pushed off to the wayside in the traditional RFP or procurement model um, because price is such a heavy focus. So. Um, you know, some of the feedback that we've been getting from members, um, you know, all over is that they're they're getting equipment that actually meets the function that it was intended for, and not just a piece of equipment because they, you know, they needed it in its in its general sense. So I just wanted to add that to the value proposition of using a cooperative contract. You can spend instead of spending all this time duplicating efforts, administering your own RFP, you have the ability to focus on what you know, some of the other factors that really matter and that ultimately puts a, you know, puts the right piece of equipment within your organization or municipality. That's a great point. That's a great point, Nigel. Uh, value added, uh, uh, as you just discussed uh, within that uh, contract. So, Nigel, why don't you share? I'm sorry, Marty, if I could just interject here, one of the things that um, I've noticed with, with this, and maybe it's not so much in Canada, but it is down in the States, is how many times is a rink manager going to draft up a spec uh, to purchase an ice resurfacer. They, they may never have done it and they may only do it once in their career. And if they were to have to draft up a spec, they might not know how to go about doing that. Now, up in Canada, where there's municipalities where they cover a multitude of uh, ice rinks under their umbrella, we don't see that as much down here. And that's one of the aspects that I, I try to stress to people is that they're going to be able to get the value pricing on the machine, on the product that does the job best for their application and for their facility. So um, it, it eliminates a lot of the headaches that the, that somebody has to do uh, if they were to have to go through the traditional bid process. Hey, Marty, it's uh, Chris. Hey, Chris. Um, I'd like to also add, because what Doug was saying is absolutely uh, awesome, because we do see a lot of um, certain facility managers all of a sudden trying to write a spec and then they're calling us saying, how do we write this spec? Um, so all of a sudden, you know, there's a pretty good sharing network here. And a lot of these guys are actually talking to other municipalities and they're finding ways to share that information. But sometimes what we're finding is, is you've got some municipality that's only say 7,000 who's trying to write a spec to a municipality that's 30,000 and they're over-specking. And uh, from our perspective with the source well piece of this, this really takes a lot off of our plate as well because of all the questions going back and forth if you're tendering against uh, competition because maybe the spec was written 
not necessarily to a specific machine, but they didn't fully understand that um, they wanted, say, a 400 series versus a 500 series versus something completely different. And then they start talking snow, uh, snow capabilities, water capabilities. So from our perspective, having the source well, it really takes a lot of that guesswork away from us as well. That, that's a great point, uh, Chris. Uh, I see it in Ontario as well, um, uh, where municipalities are sharing uh, 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 tender uh, specs uh, because they don't uh, have it uh, already written up, or someone new comes into the position and is new uh, uh, from the ice resurfacing aspect and. Uh, you know, they're reaching out to uh, either um, uh, industry colleagues or uh, to the vendor themselves. That's a great point though, Chris. So Nigel, let me bring you back into uh, into the conversation here. Why don't you share a little bit about RMA, what it brings as far as value to uh, uh, the RMA source well suppliers and talk about uh, the other industry uh, associations across the country, if I can get you to speak to that. Perfect, absolutely, I could do that, thank you. Um, so RMA, I'll start with the RMA Sourcewell Partnership. I don't know if this has been covered or not. Uh, we've been partnered together with Sourcewell for, um, you know, back since 2014. Um, and really when this partnership started, you know, it was, a, it was a huge undertaking for our organization to basically educate our members on the option and availability for cooperative purchasing. We've kind of come to we've come to the consensus that you know with Sourcewell that Canada is probably eight to ten years um, behind the U.S. when it comes to understanding and the acceptance of cooperative purchasing. And fortunately, over the last couple of years, back in 2017, um, some of the trade agreements uh, went through a review and a revision that now has language uh, allowing cooperative purchasing under certain parameters. So that was that was a real a real groundbreaking opportunity for for us here in Canada to to aggressively promote cooperative purchasing as a procurement vehicle um, that meets all of the trade requirements and basically the requirements for purchasing um, goods and services over over the various thresholds. So, um, so that was really good for us. Um, RMA, just a little bit of a history lesson. I won't take a lot of time on this. Um, we formed back in 1909, so we celebrated our centennial not too long ago, um, and we initially formed as a as an advocacy group representing. Um, our core members, you know, mostly on the on the political and governmental stages. Um, but over time, we we included a business services offering uh, that now includes trade, fuel, insurance, benefits, so on and so forth. Because ultimately, we want to become the the one stop shop, if I can call it that, for our members. We want to be the source that our members come to when it comes to their procurement needs. So we've done a lot of work, um, not only with our members, but with our provincial partners across Canada to really create those relationships, create the trust and rapport that we are their trusted partner when it comes to uh, Canadian per, uh, governmental purchasing here in Canada. Just a, just a, I'll speak to the partnerships we have across Canada. What we, what we've done over the last three, four years, and this is, you know, with the support of our board here, is, you know, we want it to be more than just an Alberta-based organization. You know, we want to, we wanted to, you know, our goal was to unite, you know, each of the provinces here in Canada and ultimately work together for, you know, for like-minded interest and procurement being one of them, capital purchasing, um, kind of the key focus there. So. Over the last three to four years, RMA has partnered with similar association groups across Canada. So, for example, 
SARM in uh, SARM in Saskatchewan or AMM in Manitoba, LAS in Ontario. You know, we do have a slide that speaks to this. Um, perhaps we can share this uh, afterwards. But uh, basically, RMA has partnered with uh, provincial associations across Canada to to basically offer these trade programs and capital purchasing programs to their members. So it's you know it's been a it's been a great uh, it's been a great experience for us expanding across Canada. We operate under what we call a white label approach. So when you know when we go into uh, the other provinces, we don't go in as RMA. We go in, you know, representing the provincial association that we're in. So I'll use an example here. Ontario, they're the association that we're partnered with is LAS, Local Authority Services, and that's the business unit of AMO, which is the Association of uh, municipalities of Ontario. A lot of acronyms in this in this business, but just uh, you know, try to try to connect the dots with me here. Um, LAS is the provincial association that we're partnered with in Ontario. When I'm in Ontario, uh, talking to an Ontario municipality, I'm Nigel Gamester from LAS, and so you know, I have an LAS email, I have an LAS phone number, I have an LAS business card. So we are fully white labeled when we go into the various provinces, because the fundamentals are, um, you know, a municipality in Ontario, they want to deal with someone local. They want to deal with a local agency. They want to be purchasing from a local dealer or as local as possible. So, you know, when we, if we were to go into Ontario under LAS or pardon me, under RMA, you know, we're just not going to be as warmly received as, as though if we go in um, under their local association through our partnership. So that's that's great. You know, so I, yeah. was going to I was going to interject on that, uh, Nigel. That that actually came into play for me with uh, Kenora, Ontario, uh, procurement officer there. Yeah. Um, uh, contacted me and uh, wanted to know about uh, did we have any um, uh, contract uh, buying uh, program? And I said we actually do. Um, and this was after yeah. we had that presentation with you and Kelly a couple weeks ago. Right. And yeah. I, I initially was going to say RMA trade, but then I said, no, it's actually with LAS, the Division of AMO Business Services. And he goes, yeah, well, I already deal with them. I went, oh, perfect. Yeah. And then that's when I spoke to you later. And I think it was Kim uh, Kim Thiessen, or is it uh, that looks after Ontario? Uh, Ontario is Ainsley, Ainsley Murdoch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ainsley Murdoch. So, yeah. and they they connected and uh, they've gone through the process. So that's yeah. how smooth uh, this process runs. Uh, sorry to interject there, but I just wanted to share that no, experience. That, that's, a, that's a good point. And, you know, it's, you know, we want to be, you know, we're, we just want to, we want to make sure our members feel comfortable. And whether it's members in Ontario, members in Manitoba, it doesn't really matter where, but, you know, showing that we've joined forces with their local association or their provincial association, it just shows that we are working for them. And that's, you know, that's the heartbeat of everything that we do here at RMA is we work on behalf of our members. We are a member-based organization. We exist to serve our members. And that is our, that is our um, overarching purpose here is to make sure that our members are receiving best value and that we're supporting them in any way possible. So um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm happy to hear that, you know, when you, when you reference the, the, the provincial association that you're, you're an approved, you have an approved contract to their association. 
um, that does bring that instant credibility that otherwise would be difficult to get in, you know, if without that partnership. So exactly, exactly. There's there uh, there's there's a relationship already established. Speaking of relationships, yeah. Nigel, how how about uh, for our listeners that'll be listening in on the podcast? Can you walk uh, the listeners through the process? that they would need to go through if they weren't dealing with their uh, local uh, provincial association, what they would have to do to be, if, to be able to uh, utilize the contract for Zamboni as an example. Yeah, for sure, I can, I can speak to that. So it's really, it's really simple from the member side in terms of using, um, using these contracts. So there's a couple of things that they have to be aware of. So basically they have to be, um, they have to be a member of their of their association and when i say their association i mean um their provincial association so las as an example you know by by default every municipality is a member of their their provincial association it doesn't matter which province you're in um but what we've you know what we've been doing is you know we've expanded our offering to out you know outside the municipal government space so um we have you know any MASH sector or in Ontario, it's MASH sector organization can use our contracts. So let's say if a school division or uh, that's maybe a bad example, let's say a hockey academy for a school division, which is, you know, you know, I'm just gonna use this as an example. Um, you know, they might want a ice resurfacer, you know, through the school. Well, if the school doesn't have an, an official member number through LAS, we just assign them. So that's something that's, that's, it's almost a moot function, but it's something that we look after behind the scenes. And then all, really all the member has to do is post uh, what's called a notice of intent. Um, and they would post that on the, on the, on the recognized tendering uh, site for their province. So we've been using Ontario as an example this whole time. So I'll stay with that. Um, Ontario, the recognized tendering platform is Mercs. So all they'd have to do is post a notice on Mercs saying our intention is to use the, um, the LAS, you know, the LAS cooperative contract. Um, they don't even have to say which one. They just have to post a notice saying that they, their intention is to use uh, cooperative purchase or cooperative purchasing contracts for the calendar year 2020. <clears throat> it can be right. that. So, it can be that so it, it, let me it's just uh, for clarity. When you speak of a hockey academy, would institutions such as uh, universities, colleges, uh, would they would they qualify and be able to uh, be assigned a uh, LAS or their provincial uh, association number? Yeah, absolutely. So any really any um, <clears throat> any mash or mush se sector organization and, and any not for profit. Um, we have a lot of school divisions that use our programs, um, higher ed universities, they can use our programs. Um, we have like publicly funded um, housing foundations, they can use our programs. Really, that's the criteria is anything mash or mush sector or anything not for profit. Can you, uh, can you, those are both acronyms, help me, uh, or our guests, uh, MASH, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what those actually mean? Yeah, so MASH uh, basically stands for, um, it's an acronym for, so municipalities or municipal governments, that's the M. A is academic, um, and that's, that would be considered kind of like the higher ed. Um, S is um, schools and H is housing, or housing, hospitals, kind of that, that kind of, that, that's the criteria there. Um, to be perfectly honest, um, you and so MASH versus MUSH, so that you and MUSH would be universities. So that's oh, the okay. Yeah. This is uh, Sorry, Kelly like I said earlier, there's a lot of acronyms in this. <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> you're giggling. Yeah, I, I can see Kelly giggling. 
<laughs> yeah, so we're, first of all, we are uh, very well versed on acronyms ourselves, but just to simplify it a little bit to me across the board, the three buckets that we look at for qualifying um, agencies to purchase are government, education, and not-for-profit agencies. That's kind of how we boil it down to the simplest level. Nice. So, so if I can, if before yeah. I, uh, if I can just add one more thing in terms, you asked about the, like where RMA provides uh, value just to, you know, to the vendors that are part of this partnership. You know, we talked a bit about the, you know, the partnerships we've created across Canada. Um, I'd like to just briefly introduce some of the teams that we have here at RMA that it really works to support our vendors. So we have, we have three teams that I'll highlight just very quickly here. One is the vendor relations team. And this, you know, this consists of my, I'm, I'm part of the vendor relations team here. And, and really what we do is we work with all of our vendors to, especially with our Sourceful partnership to um, provide some, you know, some training in terms of dealer training to just provide some overall insight as to the opportunity that's in front of them, uh, the partnerships that we've created and just general how-tos in terms of using the contract and promoting the contract. Um, we've often joined um, sales meetings where if a member is, you know, they want to use the, the, the Zamboni contract, but they just can't seem to wrap their head around how it's compliant to use. Um, RMA will, we, we, we'll jump on those sales calls just to talk about, you know, the process that RMA goes through to ensure that these contracts are compliant here in Canada and how we've met those requirements. Um, and what that is, is it just, it's, it shows us that we're their trusted partner um, talking about the compliance piece. So it's kind of an independent, um, an independent um, conversation around compliance that doesn't necessarily come directly from the vendor. So from time to time, we've been called to assist in that area, which is, you know, proven to be very uh, productive and effective for our vendors. Um, and the other piece is just, you know, joint calls, joint meetings, um, you know, really helping helping your sales teams uh, get those get those uh, sales across the finish line. So that can come in a variety of ways. The other team is we have a marketing and communications team here at RMA, and we do work with our vendors to to create some co-branded marketing collateral. Uh, because what you'll find is that if you if Zamboni has its own you know, let's say one page flyer or some, you know, something that they leave behind with uh, potential buyers. If it has the RMA, um, the RMA logo on it, that automatically brings instant credibility or whatever provincial association that's, you know, where you're, where you're selling in, um, having that provincial association branded on your material um, does bring instant credibility to whatever you leave behind. So our team, our team here really works, you know, does a lot of that co-branding uh, marketing collateral with with our vendors. So that's something I would encourage Zamboni to take advantage of as well. The final team is our client relations team. And this is, you know, this is our team of, of five client relations managers from BC all the way to Atlantic Canada. And what they do is they, they're our member facing group. So they're the ones um, meeting with our members across the country, um, just, you know, introducing some of the new programs, some of the, you know, some of the, you know, the new programs. And they, they also talk about kind of what, what kind of procurements do you have coming up in the next three, six, 12 months that we can work together and find, uh, you know, find a program that can meet those uh, procurement needs. So really it's, uh, you know, they, they're able to untap a lot of intelligence as to what's coming down the pipe. And that's a form of lead generation for potential uh, 
for our vendors potentially where let's say if a member says well we've got a couple of zambonis that we need to purchase in our next you know we're, you know our budget's been approved for two new zambonis uh this upcoming fiscal well you know potentially you know we would introduce that member to to zamboni and then you know provide the for, uh, provide a lead that way as well so um it's our they're our staff and basically they you know they just introduce you know what's what's available to them as a as a procurement vehicle for their needs so um that's another area where our vendors have been seeing some benefit is through that lead generation that's some fantastic information nigel thank you for sharing that you know i, I uh, i'm looking at a, a document that uh, kelly had sent out uh, to us a couple weeks ago and it really hits home. And Jason, maybe you can speak to this prior to uh, using contract purchasing. Um, traditional would be 11 steps. And with contract purchasing through Sourcewell and RMA Trade and our other associations across Canada, it's brought back to four steps. That's, that's yeah, time saver. Definitely a big benefit. Jason, speak to that? Yeah, exactly that. It is a time saver. Like I, I take care of the equipment for all the departments. So... If I can save a week or two or three on every one of them, I can get them all done for the, the calendar year. Hey, Nigel, I, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you can share um, a little bit about it. The, uh, the agreements, uh, both uh, provincially and nationally, the, uh, the CETA, which is the Comprehensive Economic Trade Agreement, uh, the CFTA, the Canadian Free Trade Agreement. Um, maybe you can share a little bit about those and how that affects um, what's going on with the municipalities and purchasing and what the parameters and limits are of uh, procurement purchasing? Absolutely, I can speak to that. So um, just in the interest of time, I'll, I'll really summarize it at a high level, um, but understand that there are a number of regional trade agreements that basically govern how public procurement is to be administered here in Canada. Um, first, we have the what's called the New West Partnership Trade Agreement. Uh, we call it the NWPTA because we love acronyms here. Um, but basically, this is an agreement that covers British Columbia to Manitoba. And that was established back in 2010, actually originally just with BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. And um, Manitoba joined on within the last couple of years. And what that agreement covers is, you know, it talks about the, the, the dollar thresholds um, that requires a competitive solicitation um, for goods and services. That threshold is $75,000. For construction, it's $250,000. So if, um, if a member is looking to purchase a couple of ice resurfacing machines, um, let's say for the sake of argument, they are in excess of $75,000, well, that would require a competitive solicitation for that procurement. Um, fortunately, with uh, you know with the cooperative contracts, we've already met those requirements. So, um, so the good thing is, is that you know they they don't have to do their solicitation on their own if they don't want to because we've already administered it on their behalf. So that's something that we we really talk about a lot. Um, the other piece is that you know the the trade agreements really um, have clarified what's considered a transparent and non-discriminatory fair open tendering practice. And that's going to be a that's going to be a forever challenge when it comes to procurement. But I feel these trade agreements, you know, in their in their latest revisions, have gotten clearer and clearer what's expected for a uh, fair and non-discriminatory uh, procurement process. So 
Um, that's the new West partnership trade agreement. I won't go, I, I don't know how much detail you were looking for here, but the key things here are that the dollar thresholds, um, they change from agreement to agreement. Um, right. uh, the CFTA, uh, the Canadian free trade agreement, um, that was, that was revised in 2017, as I mentioned earlier, um, the goods and services threshold is 101,100. And then the construction is 252,700. Don't ask how I remember all that, but I just do. Um, good <laughs> numbers, I guess. Um, and the Canadian Free Trade Agreement, that was the one that um, really clarified the language around um, buying groups and cooperative purchasing in Canada. Prior to 2017, it was, it was just less clear. So it's not that it wasn't accepted or acceptable. It just, you know, there was, you know, some members had some hesitations to using cooperative purchasing, just the way the trade agreement was was worded. Uh, since 2017, and Sourceful will vouch to this, we've seen a major uptake in the use of cooperative contracts because of the way the language was changed in the agreement. Um, I don't have the agreement open in front of me, but it just, it really clarified that yes, cooperative purchasing and group buying is an acceptable form of purchasing um, so long as you follow some, you know, a few guidelines in terms of usage. And even the adoption of these uh, RMA sourceable contracts here in Canada, we have to go through, a, uh, RMA has to go through a process in in terms of adopting these contracts in order to make, in order to ensure that they are compliant in Canada. Right. Right. So, so Nigel, what, go ahead. Sorry, yep. sorry, go ahead. I was going to uh, I was going to ask uh, uh, based on those two um, um, uh, agreements, would it be fair to say that the procurement departments of most municipalities would be aware of this, or is this something that you'd be shedding light uh, for them to go? Okay, didn't know that. I got to follow this procedure, or whatever the case may be, um, uh, depending on the region uh, that we're speaking of. Um, uh, would uh, procurement departments and uh, and uh, for municipalities be aware of this? So I I don't want to paint everyone with the same brush because there there is a there is a, a wide spectrum of uh, procurement knowledge with respect to the trade agreements. Um, some are very versed and some understand the trade agreements very well and what's expected. Um, some maybe not so much, and it just all depends on the organization, the structure, the personnel, so on and so forth. Um, right. RMA takes the position, you know, we're not an enforcing body for compliance. If our members choose to um, go out to RFP on their own, um, we, you know, we, we support them if that's their decision. Um, we're not an enforcing body to say, hey, you did this wrong or you did that wrong. But we are, you know, we are an advocacy group as well. And we talk about, you know, what's what's expected and what's required in um, trade compliant uh, purchasing here in Canada. So, so that's the right. position that we've taken. If if members are um, not quite as versed in Canadian procurement as they would like, they can always come to us and we we really coach them through the process if, if that's what's needed. So uh, but I can't say that they're all they all know or they all don't, because that's neither would be neither would be true. Sure, sure. You know that uh, that uh, leads me right into uh, for our listeners that will uh, be listening to this podcast. Um, if you're unsure, it uh, it sounds to me that Nigel and the RMA Trade and your local regional associations will be a great uh, resource to make sure that um, you have all the information uh, you need uh, when uh, doing contract uh, procurement. Um, Nigel, uh, anything else you want to add to uh, to the conversation? 
you know, I think we've covered, I think we've covered everything. Um, you know, I just, you know, I've, I've heard a little bit of talk around the, um, around kind of that, that stages one to 11 piece that we've put together in terms of the traditional procurement process compared to cooperative purchasing. That's a very powerful tool here. Um, we've, you know, we've noticed our client relations managers um, have having a lot of success using that, just that visual, because it does show and it, it's just a good reminder that cooperative purchasing, um, you know, it, it does, it does solve a lot of, especially municipal government issues when it comes to capacity, trying to spec out and write an RFP and go through the whole process. Um, at a procurement conference I went to last year, it was, it was mentioned that 200 and I think it's 251 or 261 hours goes into the average procurement. And I know that's a pretty general or general statement there, but the, you know, the fundamental is, you know, there a lot of time gets spent going through the process and it's, it's all duplicated if you're not using these cooperative contracts. So we really, you know, we really encourage members if they're comfortable and, you know, we're, we're there to coach them to help them feel comfortable because they, it is an acceptable form of procurement and it is the new way of procurement in Canada. The wave is changing where more and more, I believe, are going to use cooperative contracts just due to the efficiencies it garners. So um, it's exciting for us. We love telling the story and sharing this message. And um, yeah, and we, you know, we really value um, the support that Sourcewell has given us as well. And just helping our members understand that, yes, this is all this is all accepted here in Canada. That's great. Uh, that's great feedback, uh, Nigel. And of course, uh, we have uh, someone uh, that, as a guest, uh, Jason, out of uh, the city of Grand Prairie, who's experienced what you just spoke to. Would that yeah. be fair to say, Jason? Yes. It's also uh, what they call very lean, lean uh, a way of doing it. As far well, as being cost effective, is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, just quicker to get stuff, quicker to get the projects done, taking less resources to do it, and as a you know, city employee and taxpayer, that's that's a good thing to do. It's a win-win all the way around. Yes, yeah. Nice, nice. Kelly, I'm going to bring you into the conversation. Is there anything else you wanted to add from uh, the Sourcewell uh, uh, group? Um, just to make it, you know, kind of reiterated clear on our side with the Sourcewell RMA relationship, um, you know, Sourcewell, we operate heavy on the U.S. side, and we lean on RMA as our partners in Canada. Um, you know, they're explaining the messaging, you know, they're in your backyard, they're your people that are, you know, working with the same customers, same Sourcewell members. Um, so just to make that clear, kind of what our relationship looks like is RMA and Sourcewell, um, we're partners in the cooperative purchasing. So the contracts that are in place with Sourcewell, um, they are in a sense RMA's contracts to um, serve their members in Canada. That's great. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Kelly. <laughs> Um, folks in Alberta, I got to say, Chris Fish, our account manager for Industrial Machines Incorporated, is uh, ready to take your calls at any time and talk to you further about the RMA trade program out in Alberta. Chris, did you want to add anything uh, to the listeners? Uh, just start calling. Honestly, just start calling. I'm uh, wa wanting to have these conversations right now. Again, the process is slowly starting to pick up and the more messaging we can get out, the better. Fantastic, Chris. Thanks. Thanks. Well, listen, folks, um, I want to thank our guests. Uh, Doug, did you want to uh, uh, chime in and uh, bring anything else to the table? Sure, I'll throw one last thing. We truly, you know, with Sourcewell, Kelly, um, it's A to Z uh, with Zamboni being available. There's a multitude of things for um, listeners um, that 
qualify as members. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no cost to be a member uh, of Sourcewell. So the, the benefits are there, value pricing, uh, great products, uh, no cost, and discounted pricing. So um, I would uh, strongly encourage everybody to take a look at the things that they can get uh, through a Sourcewell contract. Thanks, Doug. Well, again, folks, I want to uh, thank all our guests for uh, joining us today on Ask the Zamboni Experts. If you have a question for one of our experts or an idea for future episodes, don't hesitate to email uh, your questions or requests to info at zamboni.com. And for more information on the additional podcast episodes, by all means, please visit zamboni.com forward slash podcasts and search Ask the Zamboni Experts. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. This is Marty Elliott, your host. I wish you an ice day. <laughs>